Things that go under black light should not be in your body. <laughs> Shut up. If I was on top of my game right now, I'd have a joke. I, I know that's funny, and I know there are jokes to be made out of that comment, but I just don't have it right now. Uh, all right. You're listening to the 2M Football Show with Mike and Matt. Good morning, evening, afternoon, night, whatever it may be when you listen to this 2M Nation. It's another late night with recording here is myself, Matt, and my beloved friend and arch nemesis of football, Mike. Hey, Matt. Hey, 2M Nation. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Uh, I, I, you've got about three quarters of me today. <laughs> I'm going to go with seven sixteenths of me. Let's make them do some math. Kind of like the Packers only played three quarters of football last week. Um, and unlike the Packers, I would have to say that uh, Denver played four quarters of football. Hey, that they did. So did the Chargers, kind of. I also want to point <laughs> out that the Chargers gave up 28 points to a 27th ranked offense, but that's fine. Oh, I have thoughts. We'll get there. <laughs> um, but But hello, Matthew. It is Thanksgiving week. It is. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Friendsgiving, my friend, to your family and yours. And to you as well and to everyone out there in the 2M Nation. Uh, I will try not to belittle you too much, but I make no promises when the stat sheets start flying. (laughs) So, So like you referenced, here we sit late on Tuesday night after another wild, wild week in the NFL. Uh, Week 11 wrapped up yesterday with the... uh, Exciting showdown between the Rams and the Buccaneers. How are you feeling after at this point of the season? That was a fun game. I don't know. I feel like this week is more exhausting than the others, and I can't put a finger on to why. Maybe I'm mm. just exhausted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm exhausted of, in, in football sense and in uh, you know life. life. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a long year. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> I mean, we were so excited for the season to get over, and we've wrapped up week 11. This is insane. But uh, we both have favorite moments. Mike, your favorite moment? I think I know what it is, but why don't you tell the audience? Sure. Well, my favorite, I think you do know because it's in our show notes, but my favorite moment from a, an exciting week 11 of football came during the Packers and Colts game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, fun game, you know, two good teams probably both going to the playoffs. It was a tightly contested game, uh, and and all the way all the way down to the wire, and actually went to overtime. But before we got to overtime, the Packers found themselves down a field goal, uh, pinned to their own six yard line with uh, one drive to uh, to get down the field and tie it up. It was just one of those uh, one of those what felt like one of those classic Aaron Rodgers moments, you know, it's it's second and 10, like I said, from their own six, he just throws up a bomb down to uh, right around midfield. And uh, the mercurial Marquez Valdez Scantling came down with the catch. And it it was just so unlikely. It was just one of those, I don't know. It's a big word of the day calendar, Matt. Jesus. Okay. (laughs) Warn me before you use those. Yeah, that I did not write in the notes, so sorry to surprise you with that one. Yeah, man, come on now. Stick to script. 
but you know, we we both are well aware of MVS's struggles this season. But he came down. It just felt like one of those classic Aaron Rodgers. How did he do that? Moments. Of course, um, they would. MVS himself would epically uh, fumble the game away uh, just a few minutes later. But but for a few glorious moments, it was another fourth quarter game tying drive for Rodgers uh, that was just vintage it performance. Was absolutely mind boggling that the player that put the Packers into position to take in the OT is the same player that fumbled the game away in a span yeah. of no more than five minutes. <laughs> I cannot begin to fathom the amount of shame that he had to feel. Yeah, well, I don't want to talk about that part yet. I just want to talk about the good, and it was a great catch on this. That uh, was one hell of a catch. I mean, mm-hmm. he may drop some of the obvious passes, but he catches them when it counts. Yeah. <laughs> so how about you? What was, what was your favorite Week 11 moment? I actually got to enjoy watching what feels like a resurgence of the Rams team, like a team that it felt like by Week 5 or 6, a lot of people written off. Jared Goff wasn't playing to his normal standards. Um the Rams were getting picked on that they hadn't really played any good teams. And then came the showdown again of a Super Bowl rematch of Tom Brady versus Jared Goff in prime time. Mm-hmm. And uh, like most people, everyone gives the credit to Tom Brady out of the gate. There's no way Jared Goff and that Bucks defense would be able to, 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 you know, let the Rams march down the field and the Rams took it to them. Yeah, the, they did. That was an impressive Rams performance. defense handled um, Tom Brady in that offensive line, and Goff sure moved did. the ball very well against that Bucks defense that I think has been sorely underrated. So uh, it was really exciting to watch that um, this Rams team, especially that entire division, the whole NFC West is like, besides San Francisco, unfortunately, is, is clawing for first place, which currently belongs to the Rams, mind you. Yes, because uh... – this is actually their second consecutive impressive win, right? From uh, after they beat Seattle uh, the, pre- the previous week. Exactly. So with with the victory over Seattle, that moves Rams in the first place in the NFC West. So it's it's wow. insane. You know, it was my favorite moment from that game. My boy Cam Akers finally scored his first touchdown. You were <laughs> I could feel the ecstaticness through the text messages. I mean, I mean, five you know five weeks after I dropped him from my fantasy team. At least it wasn't <laughs> but, like the next game after yes yes that would have been worse um so yeah lots of are you are you trying to say it wasn't stuff. a wasted draft pick oh no it absolutely was <laughs> so it's like oh hey that's a guy <laughs> that is a guy that's a fo- that's a football player <laughs> he is a player uh but yep so rams are back baby they really are uh and I, I, I'll admit, I was one who had sort of counted them out, um, but they have really impressed me lately, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And and I think we have more to say about that game in a little bit. But before we get there, uh, let's you let's pres- kick off our week. Let's kick off our week eleven recap. Picks can pick them, which was <laughs> a rough rough week for me. I only got six games right out of the fourteen out of the. Yes, 14. I feel like I'm averaging uh, nine, nine, nine wins a, a week. You've been steady, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, you got nine this week. You beat, you uh, pulled ahead of me by picking the Seahawks. Uh, the, the Titans and the Rams were all picks that you had made that, that I did not. Uh, so you close the gap now to just eight games. <sighs> no pressure. With, uh, let's see, 
if five I made, weeks, six weeks, if to I go? manage a perfect week, it's really the only way I feel like at my pace I can catch you. Or you just have to bomb one week. Uh, and then looking at Eliminator, uh, you had picked the Patriots, I believe. I'm not so lucky there. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I dropped three. One of many, one of many upsets of the week. Uh, the Patriots somehow lost to the Houston Texans. You realize I would have won a tenth game if I had picked and stuck with the my Broncos, just because that's what I've been doing every week, regardless of their matchup. Yeah, I know. And then the one time you actually go with your, you know, analysis instinct, <laughs> it bites you. So, I don't know. You've got me. You're up on me too on the season. So I've got a, I've got ground to make up and just hope that you flounder. And yeah, I'd picked uh, Pittsburgh over Jacksonville for once. I was not sweating my eliminator pick. Feels like every you, week those have been close. I know you really <laughs> like the ones that come down to like the final play of the game. And so speaking of upsets, besides uh, the Texans taking care of business against New England, uh, you had the Titans beating the Ravens when the Ra- and uh, yeah when the Ravens had been six point favorites at home. Uh, and like you referenced, the Broncos actually did upset the Dolphins in a game where Tua was benched, not injured, like many thought when he was pulled in the no, fourth quarter. No, but it was like it was like late in the fourth quarter. And remind, yeah, the- I have something hilarious about that. Okay. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, and then the Cowboys beat the Vikings. I think we all that to me jumped on the Vikings train a little too. Well, yeah, I think it was um, by the numbers too, because the Vikings were favored by a full touchdown here. They were seven point favorites. Uh, and then the Rams beating the Bucks. The Buccaneers were also at home and favored by four points. So a lot of upsets, a lot of good teams. And, uh, and actually, yeah, both of your sleeper teams won in upset victories. So you Wait, want to talk about this? Oh, for the first time since I ever picked my sleeper teams. Um, Woohoo! Congrats. Actually, um, I'm going to kind of do this reverse because you have me listed on here to talk about the Cowboys first. I'm going to go with the Broncos because I was way more excited about the Broncos victory. Uh, Locke was 18 for 30 for 270 and a pick, which, by the way, the pick came on like the first throw of the game. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, hell. Oh, no. Yeah, because he's been uh, having some early game struggles of late. I think I sent you a screenshot of his uh, stat line through the first yeah, drive. Like two of four for like one INT, and I was like, this isn't funny. <laughs> um, but then it seemed like, I don't know if you want to call it magic or the football god shined upon them from this day. Everything started to fall into place, both offensively and defensively. So on the offensive side of the ball, Locke went 18 for 30 for 270 and a pick, two rushes for 23 yards. Um, Melvin Gordon actually had a really good game, 15 rushes for 84 yards with two touchdowns. Um, He also was the reason that they almost lost this game. (laughs) It was the fourth quarter. There was like, I don't know, four minutes or something left or maybe, maybe just close to the two minute warning. Locke marched him down the field. Melvin gets the go-ahead handoff, gets all the way down to the two-line, and fumbles it on, like, the two-yard line or, like, the half-a-yard line. The Dolphins recovered, and then they turn around and march down. It was only because of Isaiah Simmons or Justin Simmons, who picked off not Tua, but our old boy, Brian Fitzpatrick. (laughs) Um. Picked off Fitzpatrick in the end zone to seal the end zone. 
to seal the win, which was incredible. Mm. Cause I was like, are you kidding me? Like the, the, the premier rushing back Melvin Gord almost cost the Broncos the game. I would have been livid. <laughs> um, but they spread the ball around really well for the offense. Tim Patrick was, went five for eight for 119 yards. Jerry Judy, three for eight for 37. Noah Fant, you know, your boy, four yeah. or five for 55 yards. Um, and with that possession turnover, with that, uh, with that interception, there was a beautiful – when you mentioned Aaron Rodgers passed the MVS – there was like four seconds to go and Locke was trying to burn the clock and he just drops this dime pass down the sideline um, to, I believe it was Tim Patrick who Mm. almost, almost took it in for a touchdown with no time to go. Um, He took it down to like the 30 yard line, the, uh, the dolphins 30, but it was like, you saw Locke making really good passes, very tight passes, but a lot of good decision-making after that INT. He didn't throw a touchdown pass, but like many teams, he did what he had to to get his offense in a position to win. And then the defense, I mean, the defense handled the Dolphins and then some. Six total sacks, two by Deshaun Williams, uh, one by our boy Bradley Chubb, five pass defended, nine quarterbacks hits, and six tackles for a loss, along with that INT from Justin Simmons. I mean, both sides of the football were on fire today. And we saw what I really thought was what this Denver Broncos team could have been all year. Mostly everyone healthy and everybody firing all cylinders. And the team was dangerous against a Dolphins team who went through this resurgence the past five weeks. Yeah, it's an impressive win uh, because, like you mentioned, on both sides of the ball, uh, Miami's been really impressive um, themselves. But, yeah, they they got to a bench. He only had 83 passing yards through – three plus quarters of football before uh, Brian Flores decided to uh, put Fitz magic in, see if he could work his Fitz magic magic. <laughs> trying to think of something else to say, but yes. <laughs> uh, so, you know, kudos to the Denver defense and then just moving the ball against, against this Miami defense that has been so stout and one of the better units in the, in the league. Um, and again, this gives you know solidifies Denver's third rank in the uh, AFC West above uh, your Chargers. So uh, yeah, I was hoping hoping the Chargers would would uh, gain some ground here with one of their few wins of the season against the Jets. But uh, your Chargers still made me nervous against an zero and ten Jets. I was just going to say it now. <laughs> well, they made um, me nervous too. But before we get there. Uh, was that all you had on the Broncos? That's all I got, unless you got anything to add for Denver. Anything you noticed? Nope. All right, you sound like me now. <laughs> uh, my oh, other team... I don't know if I don't know if that was supposed to be an insult, <laughs> but damn. <laughs> um, I think, and on to Dallas. I mean, what I think is really the more definitive upset here: uh, the Dallas Cowboys over the Minnesota Vikings. I think the Cowboys have kind of been left for dead. I mean, an offensive line that suffered all the injuries offense in general, really not moving Zeke banged up and not moving the football real well. Um, Andy Dalton out with backups replacing them that we've never heard of before. Uh, but Dalton was bad. Well, that, that, that one of us has never heard of speak okay. for yourself. 
You know what? I, I will speak for myself. <laughs> Good. Um, but Dalton was back for this one. And I think we saw a bit of a boost in what we were hoping was that veteran presence that made him such an appeal pickup behind Dak Prescott and someone that yeah. it kind of shows the value of having that veteran quarterback behind your starter. Uh, 22 out of 32 attempts for 203 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. So, you know, an average game. Nothing flashy, nothing fancy, but again, you're just doing what you need to do to win the game, and that's it. Uh, Zeke had 21 rushes for 103 yards and a score. Uh, Pollard was 5 for 60, not bad, you know, 12 yards a carry. And what's interesting to say is given the situation, you know, granted Zeke's been banged up, I feel like Tony Pollard's been almost a more efficient rusher in these weird turbulent times for that offensive line and Dak Prescott going down and you know, backups going in. Um, it's just been weird mm-hmm. in that backfield. Um, but again, I think the success we're seeing, like Denver, Dallas spread the ball around. Cooper, 6 of 7 for uh, 51 yards. C.D. Lamb, 4 of 6, 34 and a score. Michael Gallup, 2 of 5 for 29. Gallup, I don't know why he can't catch the football. <laughs> um, Doug Schultz, 4 of 6, 25 and a score. I mean, once again, they're just doing what needs to be done to win the football game and not get flashy or fancy. Again, yeah, I this was a nice, uh, nice comeback effort by them because uh, I think the Vikings were leading for most of it. Uh, but, but yeah, Dalton Schultz had that uh, that last go ahead touchdown with just a minute and a half left. Yeah, because I think this was this is what we would have expected to happen a few weeks ago, right before the Vikings had gone on this crazy winning streak and before the Cowboys were sort of crumbling with the likes of Garrett Gilbert playing QB. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because yeah, they kind of followed a lot of the same script, right? Like Dallas's defense was back to struggling. Kirk Cousins threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Dalvin Cook had over 100 yards on the ground. Um, well, in the weird but thing then you is, is before you gash their defense for this night, their defense have impressive stats on this game. One of the first possessions for Minnesota, they had a strip sack of Kirk Cousins um, that I really think set the tone. I think this was the, it's an all, I felt like they played like this was their chance to make it in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like you're supposed to play like every game is your one game away or you're owing everything. Like this is your chance to get your first win type of ordeal. Um, But they came out really, really strong in that first one. That that was one of two forced fumbles that were both recovered by the Dallas defense. Um, that set right. up first of Dalton's touchdown pass, or that was the one that set up Ezekiel Elliott's touchdown on that strip sack. Um, they only had two sacks, but we saw Jalen Smith get one, and then Demarcus Lawrence and Donovan Wilson combined to get the second one. Nine quarterback hits, um, five tackles for a loss. Like the defense kind of was trying to get more involved, like trying to get momentum going. Yes, they gave up a lot. Yes, they're still getting gashed, but there was effort here that I hadn't seen before. And of course they did come through in the end because cousins had the Vikings got the ball back down three with a minute and a half left. And and I think they forced a three and out. So, or four and out (laughs) because, you know, they went for it on fourth down, but uh, yeah, regardless, like you say, they're, they're still in this playoff hunt They're Everyone is three and seven in this division, except for the Eagles who are three and six and one. So just barely clinging to first place there. And uh, they're right in this thing. Longer. I think this will could be the week they get dethroned. 
so yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right though. This was a great effort by Dallas and uh, they're, they're not quitting on the season. It, it's for, for someone who picked a team that even I wrote them off and they were my sleeper pick at the beginning of the year um, after Dak's injury and watching the, the morale, of the team sort of collapse. I think they're starting to band together and know that nothing's impossible, especially in that East division. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's, it's just a good sign that this team hasn't given up yet. Speaking of teams who should give up. I was going to say, speaking of giving up. <laughs> yeah. My mind. Hey, hey, hey. The Chargers beat the Jets. Barely. Kind of barely, kind of, yes. <laughs> um, let's see, where to start here? So we'll start with the final scores. 34, 34 to 28, which like you said, 28 points is way too many to allow the Jets to score. On you, Joe Flacco <laughs> under seven, a banged up offensive line, a shoddy receiving core, and a backfield that I can't freaking figure out. Oh, and a thirty-first ranked defense. I might add, just throwing that all out there. <laughs> well, the defense they did take advantage of, and Frank Gore is the ageless wonder. You just can't stop him. <laughs> but a uh, bit of good news for the Chargers' defense was getting Joey Bosa back. Uh, he's been out the last several games, and and he made an impact right away. He's just a great uh, impact player on this defense. Uh, he did have one bad roughing the passer penalty, but hey, whatever. He's he's rusty. <laughs> he, he's a he's a game changing player, so it's great to have him back out there. Um, but yeah, just getting into a little bit of what happened in this game. Uh, it was it was scary this <laughs> to watch. It was like, oh no, are they really going to lose to the Jets? Because on their very first drive, they punted. It was blocked by the Jets but after just a terrible, terrible effort by the, the rookie running back, Josh Kelly, um, to block his guy on the line. He just didn't really do anything, didn't even get in his way. And <laughs> the guy come, came right through and blocked it. And this is the third time in the last four weeks that the Chargers have had a punt blocked. So that's concerning. Uh, the Jets uh, recovered and ended up scoring a touchdown a few plays later. Uh, they did miss the extra point, so whatever. Six nothing lead for the Jets, and then the next drive, the Chargers were moving the ball down the field easily, as one does against this defense. And then you pulled um, Melvin Gordon until yes, until Keenan Allen pulled a Melvin Gordon ex Charger, ironically, and uh, Keenan Allen fumbled the ball at the Jets one yard line and uh, turned the ball over. And uh, like at that point, I was starting to get nervous. I like how your notes said we got nervous. I was not nervous. I thought it was funny. Uh, we refers to Charger Nation. You're okay. not part of that. <laughs> no. So, yeah, luckily, like you mentioned, it, they were playing against Joe Flacco, who is not, you know, the greatest quarterback. And right after the Keenan Allen fumble, he threw a pick I six. won a Super he, Bowl, I'll have you know, and I had him on my roster that year. So Chargers took the lead on that pick six, and uh, they, they would never give that lead up, although the game did get close late. Um, but overall, Justin Herbert had another monster game with 360 yards and three touchdowns. A lot of that went to Keenan Allen, who set a new franchise record with 16 catches in this game on 19 targets, which is crazy. Uh, he had 145 receiving yards and a touchdown to balance out that fumble. Now, the Jets did make it uncomfortably close late uh, with a touchdown pass from Flacco to Chris Herndon. Uh, that made the score 34-26. to so they were within a touchdown and a two-point conversion with four minutes left. And then there was this kind of bizarre play where the, the Chargers were punting after that. 
and they weren't that all that close to the end zone. It's not like the punter was catching it in the end zone, just had to step out the back. Uh, I guess they were worried about another block or something because they snapped it to the punter who caught it, you know, on around their own 10 yard line. Right. He turns around and he turns around and runs backward all the way into the end zone and just like waits there to get tackled for it. So they essentially gave up a safety. They gave up two points and then punted it on the free kick rather than attempt an actual punt, I, I guess, because they were afraid of another block. I mean, anyway, it's it, looked, it, just, it looked really funny. But yeah, it, and it did leave just one second on the clock, so obviously the game ended on the on the ensuing punt. It, it just looked, I don't know, look at the clip. It looks so funny, the punter just taking the snap and just literally running, running backwards and then, everyone, then just waiting there to be tackled. I, don't know. I found it hilarious. Anyway, so that safety made it a six-point game, but that was the final score, uh, 34 to 28. So whatever. I don't, I'm not taking too much away from this game. It's the Jets, but hey, at least they won. <laughs> and they uh, improved to three and seven, still last place in the division, though, because uh, of Denver also winning. You're welcome. So the, the more interesting game among my playoff sleepers was actually played last Thursday night between the Cardinals and the Seahawks. And if you recall, the Seahawks, the Cardinals had actually beaten the Seahawks in overtime a couple weeks prior to this. So going for the season sweep here. Uh, I personally thought they could do it. I picked them. That did not work out though this time around. It's hard to, it's hard to beat Russell Wilson twice. I'll say that. Uh, And they had lost two in a row coming in so you i don't know i shouldn't have i probably made this pick more with my heart than with my brain <laughs> but i know that feeling because every time i choose with my brain we see how that happens <laughs> but it was it was still a good football game though um got a little nervous and, and, uh, kyler murray getting banged up right i you know i don't want to put the whole game on this but it was on the very first drive that he went down awkwardly on his throwing shoulder. It looked like I still haven't heard details of what exactly the injury was, but you could tell he wasn't, he wasn't right. It was the way he took the sack. He landed down and he went like shoulder first down. So his shoulder drove into the turf and then it was the weight of the DE on him Mm -hmm. um, that, that, did it and when he got up there was just like the look on his face of something wasn't right and then i remember the uh the report camera snapped into the sideline and every time he threw the football like he just winced and you're like "Uh oh right um they even showed at one point they were shoving heating pads under his arm under his pads to keep his shoulder warm so it didn't tighten Mm. up yeah so uh, you know i gotta think that impacted his play because he did not look sharp here and on uh, the Seahawks side, they the Seahawks defense really brought the heat in this game. They were uh, bringing pressure constantly and really not letting this Cardinal offense get into any kind of a rhythm. One of the best trades of the year so far was them bringing in Carlos Dunlap from Cincinnati. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he was disruptive here, and he you know he's always been a good player, but one of those guys who was always stuck on an underperforming team that's never in prime time so he's not that well known of a commodity but we know who um, he is yeah and he he looked really good and that's what they've needed right seattle after losing um clowny this past off season they they didn't end up being able to uh, bring him back and they haven't had much of a pass rush uh carlos dunlap looked great here he had two sacks and they they really limited murray's running ability too and you know i don't know if that was part of 
related to the injury too, because he definitely seemed, uh, you know, not that he's usually a bruiser of a runner like a Cam Newton or anything. No, like but that, I think but he just came back to not taking unnecessary hits. Right, right. He was avoiding contact and going down earlier than he probably had to to protect himself. I think uh, he only had 15 rushing yards in this game, uh, despite a season average of 67 rushing yards per game. And just his accuracy wasn't there, which you could totally understand if there was a problem with his throwing shoulder. At halftime, the Seahawks were up 16-7. to And the the Seahawks were really... They didn't have Chris Carson still, but they did get Carlos Hyde back. And they they definitely made an effort to lean on him. And then the running game was very effective for them. Uh, Let's see. So after halftime, the Cardinals got the ball first and kind of got bailed out by some defensive penalties to be honest that kept the drive going and then they did score a touchdown to bring the game within two points yeah this was an interesting game for seattle too because uh dk metcalf versus patrick peterson round two it was a great matchup yeah round two uh peterson i think he limited him to just uh no i shouldn't say how many because i forget but he did a better he did a good job on metcalf last time these two teams played um but Metcalf was getting open all night in this game. The only thing that stopped him from having a bigger game than he did was a couple of very surprising drops by Metcalf. One right off his face mask in the end zone. That would have been a touchdown. I thought that was the funniest play of the game. Wilson just threw it too hard. He couldn't get his hands up in time. Yeah, it's so hard <laughs> when I watch footballs bounce off of players' face masks. Because it's like, you. I know what goes through their mind. They close their eyes because they're like, I'm about to get hit in the face with a football being thrown like a rocket. <laughs> it's like you have to fight that urge because it's like if he had kept his eyes open he would have caught it but like your instinct is to almost flinch because you're like i'm about to get hit in the face right even though you have a face mask um but i think well, what your cardinals was uh was offensive penalties jesus christ there was so many false starts here uh, and then on the defensive side of things this was right after the the Cardinals had scored to get within two points. It looked like they had gotten the stop. Um, Dre Kirkpatrick tackled Tyler Lockett uh, short of the first down marker on third down. It was kind of an awkward tackle. Uh, he, he sort of twisted his leg, and, and it looked like the kind of tackle where Lockett could have gotten injured. Um, you know, D, DK Metcalf didn't like it. He came over, said something that led Kirkpatrick to throw a punch at him. And then obviously that was a flag and gave Seattle a first down on what would have been a fourth down play. And they ended up scoring there. I know emotions get wrapped up in football, but you gotta be, you gotta play situational football. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously that's uh, not what you want to be doing out there. (laughs) So uh, despite all this, the Cardinals did have a chance to tie the game late uh, down 28, 21, which ended up being the final score. Um, but a fourth down sack of Murray by none other than Carlos Dunlap uh, sealed the game here. So the Cardinals fall to six and four. Uh, they split the season series with Seattle. And because of the Rams winning too, uh, they're both up at seven and three at the top of the division. And the, the Cardinals are uh, tied for, or no, they're, they're in third place right now. Uh, still in the wild card race. Uh, we, they got to get, they got to make sure Kyler Murray's healthy. That's number one. If that means sitting him for a week or, you know, whatever it takes. Because without him, this offense doesn't work. So, overall, a better week for our sleeper teams. We went 3-1. and one. Yes, sir. 
We have a few more games to touch upon this week. I want to bros to the first one because it's the second one. I, I, I think we've been waiting for this. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, the first one we've got here, the, the Browns beat the Eagles 22-17. Uh, Miles uh, Garrett to COVID, and he's going to miss this week as well. Yeah, yeah. That seemed like it would have been a big loss, but they still sacked Carson Wentz five times and intercepted uh, two of his passes. Well, because Carson Wentz sucks. He really does. I mean, Come what excuses Philly. do you have at this point? <laughs> he, I guess uh, you could argue the O-line is still not healthy, but pretty much all the offensive weapons are back. But right now, the team's on life support, and they're just clinging to whatever victories they can hold on. Like, they're still in first place, but I think that ends this week. I agree with you, yeah. And and in terms of the Browns, they actually are 7-3 and three after this win, and, and thanks to the yeah. Ravens losing to the Titans, they're in second place in the division now. Second place! We threw them out. We thought they were garbage. I don't think we can really make that claim anymore. The stats speak for themselves. <laughs> well, yeah, Nick Chubb being back is a big deal. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Baker Mayfield still. It it definitely is. Uh, Baker's still not impressing me, but if they don't need him to throw, then that's fine. <laughs> anyway, yeah, not to spend too much time there. Moving on to what I think we were both very much anticipating was the Falcons and the Saints. So we knew Breeze was not going to play, but we didn't know maybe how bad his injury was um, after a couple more doctor visits. It was well, revealed the funny that part he was actually... it started with three, then it went to seven, then yes. it was nine, yep. and it was 11. I was like, okay, can we just say he fractured all of his ribs and punctured <laughs> how, a how many? Yeah, right. He, so, yeah, the, the total count, I think, unless he's still seeing more doctors this week, <laughs> is 11 fractured maybe ribs. breaking his ribs. So, so he's actually been placed on injured reserve, which, uh, you know, the rules changed this year that only that just means he'll be out three weeks minimum, and then he could potentially come back. It's not uh, all that long term, or it doesn't have to be. Uh, but yeah, 11 fractured ribs, and he's going to miss at least two more games. And uh, so we all kind of thought Jameis Winston was going to get the start in, uh, with him out. But, uh, but no, they were, it was announced on Saturday, you know, Sean Payton was playing it close to the close to the vest like we thought he would. And it was announced that it would actually be Taysom Hill getting the start on Saturday, which I saw one report that that was a little bit controversial in the locker room. Which you was know, fascinating because you didn't mention that to me at all. And I don't remember seeing anything about it. Um, I guess if you yeah, want to be anonymous, of course, but yeah. Right. I mean, if you want to make the claim, I guess you could argue it's because maybe Nobody really viewed Taysom Hill as the quarterback. Like we had said, he's more of that like weird gadget player that can throw the ball but really doesn't. Uh-huh. Um, versus Winston, we knew was a starting quarterback and a high was a first overall pick at one point. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was more. weird. But the one point I made to you was it. The only reason it really made sense was the time in Sean Payton's system. Taysom Hill has just right. been for three, four he's years. Been there a few years. Yep. Yeah, uh, Winston is a relative newcomer. And, also, and also, like you said, which I think is a good point, is that um, that uh, Sean Payton doesn't want to put a guy out there that he knows is going to throw at least a one pick. <laughs> you know, or Despite, you know, I think I think what he's using really this time is, I think this is the time you gauge what will Taysom Hill be for this team. You know what I mean? Like what better opportunity? And you at least yeah. you know you have a quarterback if things go really off the rails. 
um, albeit a really iffy one, a quarterback nonetheless. <laughs> sure. Um, so this was an interesting game. I think we're all looking forward to the Julio Jones, Marshawn Lattimore matchup, but uh, Lattimore ended up not playing, and actually Julio left the game early too with a hamstring injury, although he did come back uh, towards the very the game end. was out of hand. Yeah, which I thought was a questionable decision. I didn't get that one, but I don't coach for the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, but obviously the real story was Taysom Hill. How's he going to do? I think this was his first ever start, right? His first NFL his start first as quarterback. Start as a quarterback, correct. And to the point where mm-hmm. in, in ESPN Fantasy, he's actually listed now. He was moved out of tight end to quarterback role. Yeah, that didn't make sense to me why he was eligible for a tight end in the first place. I don't know. No, he's on rosters as a quarterback, so I don't get why they have him listed as a tight end, but I don't run ESPN right. Fantasy League. You don't? A shocker, right? Very shocking. The upset of the week. <laughs> so, all right. I, I know we both have a lot to say about Taysom Hill. Do you want to go first or me? No, go ahead. All right. So first, the good. I'll say it's hard to argue with the numbers he put up in this game. What? I said you can begin with your hate boner for the guy. I will. I will. And it is it is as uh raging as, as large as ever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he completed eighteen out of twenty-three passes, two hundred and thirty-three yards through the air, uh, added ten rushes for fifty-one yards on the ground and and two rushing touchdowns. So, you know, he was productive and they won the game easily. And I think no turnovers, which is something he's uh, sort of struggled with in his, in his gadget role. This well, season. He did have of, one. Did he? He had one fumble on a, and a, on a goal to go touchdown run. Oh, I missed um, that one. Okay. So, so thank you. That adds to my argument. He's terrible. No. Okay. So then, so yeah, they won the game. He was productive, scored a couple of touchdowns. That's great. But it was Atlanta. You know, it's hard to take away too much for that reason. They have the second worst pass defense in the league. Despite that, he still threw for significantly fewer yards than they average a lot until they than they allow on average. And I feel like our our debate has centered around like, is he a starting quarterback? To which I still say no, because uh, we've still we've seen plenty of backup quarterbacks come in and and have a big game, but. Here's the um, the good news, I guess, for for him and, and Taysom Hill fans is that he's going to get a couple more starts, and if he can, you know, if he can build off this as a passer, then the, maybe he can prove something. But he's a 30 year old football player who just got his first start at the quarterback position. There's a reason for that. Yeah, you're behind Drew Brees, who doesn't really get hurt. I don't foresee a lot of opportunity there. Well, he's only been on a roster for three seasons. He was uh, went undrafted, and anyway, you can talk about how great he is now. <laughs> I'm not saying he's the greatest thing since sliced bread by no means. I still think we want to see what he has, but I think this was yeah. I think this was the first start to really show can he be the starting quarterback? And what does a starting quarterback do? Moves the football well, uses time well limits turnovers, and ultimately, in a gorgeous way or in a sloppy way, you get a win in the you get a win in that column. And he checked off all those things. Um, a big question was is 
is will Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator, use limit the sort of the power QB runs that he was doing when Taysom Hill would come in to protect them? And the answer was no. They kind of ran the same game script just with a lot more passing. A knock on Taysom Hill. He doesn't pass the football. Is he going to be accurate? 18 for 23. That's a pretty good completion percentage. 233 yards. Yes. Is that a little under average? But again, Alvin Kamara, the run game and a really solid defense. And you do what you have to, even if it's bare minimum, you could throw for 150 yards and five passes and win a football game. At the end of the day, it's a win. It's a, it's a check mark in the W column. Um, the only thing I don't want them to do as much, though, is use Taysom Hill in these runs. We saw the fumble come off of one because I think he's trying to do a little bit too much of what he did before. Uh, but I also think he was doing that to come out to, and like you brought up with the controversy, to show them, hey, I can lead this team. And what better than your quarterback going out there taking hits just like you would, you know? Yeah, um, that's that's one thing that you no one can question is is his uh... – his toughness, I guess, his, his willing to to dish out hits to linebackers, <laughs> and and I think we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see it continue. I mean, you can make the argument like a rookie quarterback; they don't have a lot of tape on him as a quarterback, um. So it's really hard to plan against him. But I think maybe even the Falcons thought, "Oh God, this guy, like, what's he gonna do?" Well, he proved he can move the mm-hmm. football. And I think like any opponent, like you've got to take your opponent seriously, regardless of who it is, whether it was Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill or some weird undrafted rookie who's never taken an NFL snap. Like you cannot count your opponent out. And I think Taysom Hill's in the perfect system because he's behind the, the genius minds of Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael, um, who are going to utilize him to his strengths and try to limit his weaknesses. Looking forward to seeing the, the Taysom Hill experience continue this uh, next week. If he wins next week, you no longer have the, any ground to stand on. They're playing Denver, right? That's going to be yes. interesting. I know, right? I don't know if Den- I don't know if Denver's good or not on, on defense. I don't know either, and I'm All rooting right. for him. <laughs> All right, New Orleans. So, that means Denver's going to win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing you can't argue with is that he's entertaining to watch. So. The experience will continue in week 12. <laughs> uh, we don't have to talk about the Lions. They're terrible. They got shut out for the first time in Matt Stafford's career, uh, 20 to nothing against the P.J. Walker-led Panthers. I don't even want – yeah, let's continue to go on. Patricia, <laughs> they lose on Thanksgiving. Patricia should be gone. Although the, Jag, the Jets still have Adam Gase as their head coach. Do with that information what you will. Stunningly, Yes. <laughs> Um, uh, like we already kind of referenced, the Titans beat the Ravens in overtime uh, in, that, in that rematch of the divisional round, the AFC divisional round game from uh, last year's playoffs. And the Titans won again. A different game script, same result. <laughs> the Ravens actually held a, took a lead in this game into the fourth quarter, but it, and it was the Titans actually coming back, uh, thanks to Ryan Tannehill and, and A.J. Brown going full beast mode. And uh, in overtime, that Ravens defense clearly got tired of defending Derrick Henry because he took a 29-yard touchdown run to the house to uh, to walk this game off and and send the Ravens down to six and four. Yeah, Ravens on the decline, Titans still dominant in both phases of the game. Um, I like the next one. Washington football beat the Cincinnati Bengals, albeit 
hashtag sad day. That was this was sad. Yeah, this was this was brutal to like absorb. Like I'm not a Bengals fan by any means, but like you felt bad. Yeah, yeah. You got to Burrow has been so good as a rookie, even on that, even on this Bengals squad. Um, He gave him. It was a. He did. Yeah, and it was a pretty devastating injury. He tore his ACL, his MCL, and. I, the quote I saw was other structural tears. So very significant, the injury. Um, you just hope he'll be ready back for next season with this injury occurring relatively late in the, in the year. But as the football gods taketh, sometimes they giveth. Yeah. And we saw Alex Smith's first, uh, first win, I believe since as a starter, since the injury. Um, it, it's almost brings you to tears because this guy is just incredible. Like I will not stop talking about him all season long. Oh, it, oh, it's awesome. I mean, you had picked him as comeback player of the year before it was even known if he would get a chance to start. Now he has, he's looked pretty solid and, and, he got, and he hey, got hey, they're, and they're half a game out of the division lead. They, everyone in this division has a shot at making the playoffs. How insane is that? <laughs> if the Washington football team can take the division, I mean, what other what other credentials does Alex Smith need? He's, I mean, at this point, he's probably already done enough to take home this award. But but now it's just how far can he actually take this team? Because you've got Terry McLaurin, uh, you know, one of the best young pass catchers oh, and in the league. You've got God. Antonio Gibson in the backfield. I think he's a rookie. Uh, yeah, I wish we let him go on my roster. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> but they're giving him more and more work. Um, and the defense is better than expected. With with well, maybe maybe I shouldn't say than expected because obviously they've got Chase Young, their number two overall pick. My boy. So uh, yeah, I mean, keep an eye on this team. All, All right, right. we have to talk about be, this heartbreaking one. I mean, we already alluded to it. So yeah, Packers, uh, Packers, Colts. In Indy, we knew this was going to be a fun one. I don't think we expected it to be quite this high scoring, just based on the Colts having the best defense in the league. But uh, Packers having one Packers, of the worst. Yeah, Packers got out to a really strong start, and they were actually up twenty-eight to fourteen at halftime. But uh, and Rodgers was looking good. Alan Lazard was back, which was good to see. That he, you know, he didn't get too involved in his first game back. Still, kind of. Uh, you know, working his way back into a full-time player again, but good to see him out there at least. Uh, they did lose their starting center, Corey Lindsley, early in this game. But the offense moved the ball, and Rodgers looked great. This did not look like the best defense in the league on the Colts' side at all uh, until halftime. Then I don't know what happened in that the locker room. <laughs> they all snorted yes. a bunch of lines of cocaine. <laughs> and then the Packers didn't score again until their uh, game-tying field goal right at the end of regulation to push it to overtime. Uh, meanwhile, the Colts did sort of uh, what we thought they would. They were very effective on the ground, which has been the Packers' kryptonite on defense. Uh, rookie Jonathan Taylor had 90 yards. The team overall combined for over 125 rushing yards and about five a carry, which is not great. Um but I think Rivers looked better than expected because the, the Packers' past defense has been, if there is a bright spot to be had in this defense, it's been, it's been okay. the secondary. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like middle of the league. 
but uh, but Rivers looked pretty good here. Completed 24 out of 36 passes, almost 300 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, they did pick him off once, but but he moved the ball. And this game did go to overtime where, like we mentioned at the top, um, Packers had the ball trying to get MVS going some more after he caught that bomb uh, to, on their last drive of regulation. Uh, but he was stripped. He took he caught a wide receiver screen, uh, but then was stripped on the tackle. And this was pretty deep in Packers territory, so Colts recovered, and it was just a matter of uh, time before they kicked the game-winning field goal. Oh, man, there are so many good games. It's hard to pick some to skip. Uh, on Sunday night, the Chiefs played the Raiders in a rematch. Some to skip. We have of... two left to talk about. <laughs> okay, we already talked about Rams-Bucks in the opening. This is um, true. I mean... Chiefs and Raiders, both offenses looked incredible. Uh, neither defense could really get a stop early on. Carr turns out to make some excellent memes. <laughs> oh my gosh! I was like, "What?" They kept showing his face on the sideline. I'm like, "What are you doing, man?" He, he looked so. Somebody, if somebody weird. had like a death stare. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, actually that makes sense. He's probably staring at his defense. Like, come on, guys, get me a stop. Um, but on the field, Carr was playing great. Yeah, he could he throw was... the football in a pick on the final play. Well, okay. Sorry. That was terrible. But Sorry. before that, he he had a 100% completion uh, percentage until almost halftime. He threw his first incomplete pass with just four minutes left in the first half. And the Raiders were up at halftime, 17-14. Uh, but eventually, of course, right. I mean, they couldn't keep up with Mahomes. So you can't hold him down forever and uh you made that comment you're like what were they thinking did, did gruden really think his defense could stop patrick mahomes i was like dude all right you need to calm down and then they did they intercepted him right before halftime i'm like all right fine <laughs> <laughs> i mean i was yeah i was i don't know why i was so fired up by that uh it, it's fun you see a you see an underdog start to look like they can actually win and then yeah once point you were thrown away the raiders i had to find out where my buddy went yeah, it was weird. It it felt it didn't feel good. <laughs> uh, so Mahomes hit Travis Kelsey for the twenty-two yard go-ahead touchdown with just thirty seconds left. Um, but I think the Raiders still had a couple timeouts and they'd been moving the ball. So you're like, maybe they still have a chance. But then Carr threw a pick on the very first play of the Raiders' final drive. Um, but overall, Carr looked pretty good in this game, and we know they have a good running game with Josh Jacobs. And I think the Raiders have kind of shown that they can hang with some of the, at least with the Chiefs and some of the other good teams in the NFL. Yeah, they're and a team this... that I think a lot of people wrote off at the beginning, not really taking them seriously. And I think it's because I think people are coming around to believe in what John Gruden can do as a coach. I, I That's what it is. I, I can't take John Gruden seriously, but <laughs> this team looks uh, pretty good at least half the time. She's one of those guys that like, like a lot, of, I don't think a lot of fans, unless you're our age or older, really remember when Gruden was on the Bucks. Like I remember that Super Bowl that got me in the football. The Buccaneers mm-hmm. were coached by John Gruden, who was the former coach for the Raiders that lost in that Super Bowl. But at, most people know Gruden for the color analyst on Monday Night Football, and a lot of those people right. talk the talk, but it's like they don't remember the coaching. And to see that talk come out on the field, like Gruden knows what he's doing. He's on to something because, yeah, the Raiders look pretty good. And if the season ended today, they would be in the playoffs. 
Let's jump into week 12 because we have so much to get to. As there are no buys this week, we do still have a couple more next week. But as for week 12, Does every team will be in action. Analyze. <laughs> if you want to call what we do analysis, yes. So week 12 kicks off like every week on Thursday. But with this Thursday being a very special Thursday. What? Maybe you haven't heard of this, Matt. Uh, but uh, this Thursday is Thanksgiving. I can What's Thursday? I, I don't like you whispering in my ear. It's creepy. I know. I'm really close. <laughs> you smell good. What's Thursday? Oh, Thursday is Thanksgiving. Oh. Mm, you know what a Thanksgiving is? A day of food and a day of football. And uh, so as is tradition, the Lions and Cowboys will be in action. The, not against each other, but those are the perennial Thanksgiving teams. And the, the early game will be the Lions hosting the Texans. Texans are coming in at three and seven, Lions four and six. And um, I don't know, man. I, the Lions just look completely lost out there. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think the Texans are much better. No, no. All right, Great we're going to say our team. This, this, is, this is a game that you have on in the background while you're preparing Thanksgiving lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you start serving the morning mimosas. Yes, you're going to need them. I'm going to, all right, on the count of three, we're going to say our team picks, okay? Okay. One, two, three, Lions. Texans. Oh. Yeah, I'm taking Houston. I'm going with Detroit. I'm trusting in in, uh, Deshaun Watson. I'm trusting in nothing, but I have nothing. (laughs) I have nothing. All right, then things get spicy for the three o'clock game when, when you're grabbing when you're grabbing your first plate of leftovers, waking up from your first nap of the day, perhaps. When the three and seven Washington football team ter- uh, travel to Dallas, take on the also three and seven Cowboys in a you game that could. I, I don't know what I was going to say. Uh, it's after midnight now, and my brain is like, I can't even think of an analogy. <laughs> It's going to be a good game. And the winner of this game will take, I think, at least temporary control of the of the division. NFC East division lead on the line. Um, yeah, so, of course, it's going to be Alex Smith again, starting for Washington. I know, that um, makes this so hard. <laughs> I, I feel like Washington has the better defense, but I think they also have the worse offense. And uh, Cowboys being at home, I'm taking Dallas. I'm going with Dallas just from a momentum. I really think I saw a lot to be thankful for, if you will, uh, out of the defense, out of the Dallas team. But um, I would not be I would not be heartbroken if Washington came away with their second win under Alex Smith. I think I'm going to be rooting for Washington here. Yeah, right. Like it's this weird situation <laughs> where statistically, like Dallas seems to be the more balanced team of suck in this game. Um, but because of Smith's journey, as we've mentioned, and we'll continue to mention, it's like you're rooting for Washington and this culture change and the the new Ron Rivera. Rivera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, should be, that should be a fun one. And then things get even more fun Thursday night uh, when the Ravens will take on the, the still undefeated 10 and 0 Steelers. I don't think this game's going to be as much fun as everyone thinks it's going to be. <laughs> you think the Steelers take it easily? 
I just I don't know what's going on with this Ravens team right now. Yeah, that's I mean that's fair. Dobbins. Right, Mark Ingram. Yeah, two out of their three starting running backs. I mean, it's weird to say they have three starting running backs, but it truly is a three-headed monster Gus there. Edwards, Edwards in the backfield for them. Gus Bus. Uh, yeah, Ingram, Ingram and Dobbins both tested positive for COVID, so they're in the protocol. They're for sure going to miss this game, and uh, there are three other players on the team who also tested positive. So I think saw a tweet from Adam Schefter today that uh, there is a chance that this game would get postponed if there are uh, any more positive tests. So just hopefully this game gets played. But Ravens already underdogs are going to be under um, understaffed a little bit here. Uh, so yeah, I mean, take it the Steelers. I, I, I think it'll be fun. These I, these division games, even when they don't seem like they should be close, division games are always closer than it, it seems like they should be on paper. I got Pittsburgh by fourteen. Are you kidding me? By fourteen. All right, that's bold. <laughs> I got two I, touchdowns. I the Steelers are going to take this. The Ravens are just falling apart, and I don't understand them. Yeah, this is not going to be the game where Lamar Jackson gets back on track. Not against this defense. Maybe against the Jets. Speaking of the Jets. Hey. <laughs> the early slate of games on Sunday. Uh, yeah, like you so nicely segued us into. The Dolphins at 6-4 and four, uh, will be taking on the windless Jets, who are 0-10. And uh, Brian Flores did say that Tua is going to get the start, despite the fact that he was benched last week. And yeah, this, this should be a great chance for him to bounce back and uh, reestablish himself. And we all know who we're taking here. Fins. Um, <laughs> but here's a little here's, here's a little teaser tidbit. I sent Mike you a copy of what I've been working on. But, oh, yeah. Uh, actually doing a whole 2020 Jets breakdown that will be released on a website uh, that will be released probably on Thanksgiving. So stay tuned for some uh, holiday announcements. Ooh. I know what I'm thankful for this holiday season. The Jets are officially the first team out of playoff contention. <laughs> I don't understand why, but tune in. You'll find out why. If they were in the AFC, NFC East, they'd still have a shot. That's <laughs> oh, bold, but true. All right. Next up, we got the uh, Cardinals 6-4 and four, traveling to Foxborough to take on the 4-6 and six Patriots. Uh, I think the biggest storyline to watch here is uh, Kyler Murray's health. Hopefully his shoulder is is back. Um, but as we've seen with, ironically, with Cam Newton, a shoulder injury like this uh, can really be debilitating for a quarterback. So I'm, you know, hoping Kyler is healthy and taking the Cardinals. I... This is another team that New England doesn't look like New England, and I can't get behind them just yet. So I have to take the Arizona Cardinals. They're the more consistent team, even if Murray is an under center. All right, Panthers at Vikings. Panthers four and seven. Uh, Vikings four and six. And the Panthers are going to be without Christian McCaffrey again, and uh, they should get back uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Though he was a surprise inactive this past week. Uh, it was kind of a last-minute announcement that he actually wouldn't play with that knee injury. It, it, he practiced, in at least in a limited capacity, all week. So the expectation kind of was that he would play. Didn't at the oh. last second. Injury. That should bode well. Back injuries. Back to Pittsburgh. Okay. Did you see Juju yeah. Smith-Schuster's questionable? 
Oh, with a foot injury? Did you hear how it happened? No, what happened? Did he did he drop something on himself? No, he like stubbed or tripped over like a penalty flag during practice or at the end of the what? game. Or something like that, and that forced a toe injury that made him miss the remainder of the game with like eight minutes or ten minutes. That's why he wasn't on the last like three or four drives. Oh my gosh. No, I didn't hear that. Oh, I'm gonna have to send you the link. I'm gonna have to double check and confirm that, but it was something stupid because all I saw come up on my phone was bizarre <laughs> injury leaves question mark for Juju. And I was like, wait, what? Damn. <laughs> uh, yeah, just my luck, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I got Minnesota. Uh yeah, I'm taking Minnesota too. Browns at Jaguars. Uh like we like you mentioned, Miles Garrett is gonna miss this game again. As is Denzel Ward, one of their top cornerbacks. Uh, for Cleveland. Not overly concerned if I'm being completely no. honest. <laughs> no, no, still taking the Browns, and they're my eliminator pick. Um, I am also taking the Browns. They are not my eliminator pick. All right. Why do you hate the Browns? Titans at Colts? I hate this you. one. <laughs> oh, we all know that at this point, and, and I don't need to ask why. <laughs> Titans at Colts. Uh, these two teams played on Thursday night just a couple of weeks ago. Um, Colts took it decisively, and I'm taking them to, to do so again. Despite the fact that Tennessee did look better against the Ravens, I'm, I'm taking the Colts. I don't think Tennessee is going to let it happen twice, and I think they're going to play. I mean, I picked them to win the division, so I have to, I have to go with heart and faith in this one, um, and I'm going to have to take Tennessee. I'm going to be really mad if I get this game wrong because two weeks ago I picked Tennessee, you picked the Colts, and I was wrong. Now we've switched, and if I'm wrong again, I'm going to be pissed. I'm just saying. (laughs) Now I really want them to win. (laughs) Giants, just for my my own amusement. Giants, Giants. I know you. That's like one of your favorite things is is me getting upset, and and vice versa. Oh, you enjoy my favorite things as well. Anyway, that, that's why uh, this is such a strong friendship. Because we both love <laughs> pissing the other off. <laughs> 11 years and counting. Giants at Bengals. Uh, this would have been, well, been I don't want to say interesting. Battle. but Yeah, well, yeah, Jones in year two. But yes, I, I see what you say, what you're saying. Uh, Giants are coming off the bye week and two straight wins prior to that uh, would have been I mean, it's obviously I'm taking the Giants now that no Joe Burrow. Not just no Joe Burrow, but I feel like that Giants secondary is a lot better than we give him credit for. And with Carlos Dunlap out of Cincinnati now, I'm not sure how that defense is going to look. Even though I think they're going to look bad. (laughs) Even against a questionable uh, New York offensive line. But yeah, I'm going to have to take the Giants. Questionable offensive line. What about Andrew Thomas? Yeah, not doing too hot there, buddy. (laughs) He's not protecting the right side there as much as he should be. But he's a rookie. Chargers at Bills. Not anticipating a win streak here for the Chargers. Although, Austin Eckler might be coming back this week. I think they are planning to activate him off the uh, injured reserve. But uh, I saw a video of him lifting weights, looking good. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, it's going to be so helpful. <laughs> hey, if he, if he has to squat with two defenders on his back, he might be able to do it. <laughs> how about how about helping the kicker kick the ball over the uh, special teams line? <laughs> Less helpful there. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously it would be a boost for this offense, but I'm taking the Bills regardless. I have the Buffalo. I think Leslie Frazier is their defensive coordinator is going to shut down, at least limit the, uh, the offensive momentum. I think it'll be a rather high-scoring game, somewhere in the 21 apiece, somewhere in that category. It may come down to another field goal, but as we've seen the Chargers record in close games, yes, could just be another <laughs> heartbreak. Yeah, I, I don't have any faith in the Chargers' defense to slow down Josh Allen. Their only hope would be if he makes a couple terrible mistakes, which isn't impossible, but I'm not counting on it. Taking the Bills. And then Raiders at Falcons rounds out the early slate of games. The Raiders at 6-4, and four, coming off the loss to KC, and the Falcons at 3-7. and seven. Uh, Julio Jones, with that hamstring injury, is likely going to be a game-time decision here. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the Raiders. I have the Raiders as well, as well as they are my eliminator pick. Very nice. Moving on to the Sunday afternoon games. Uh, we got the these games first up. Themselves. Yeah, yeah, you notice there's no notes here. <laughs> I was going to fill them in, but whatever. 49ers at Rams is the first one that, Again, this would be a very interesting matchup. If the 49ers weren't so banged up, it'll be uh, Nick Mullins again at quarterback. Uh, they might get Raheem Mostert back, which would be a boost to that run game. but uh, Not against that Rams defense not, line. Right, right, right. As the Buccaneers learned last week, you, it's just not easy to run against these guys. And, uh, yeah, I'm taking the Rams. Rams. Saints at Broncos. This is, I mean, I don't know what to make of the Broncos at this point, but uh, Saints coming in at eight and two. They're the number one seed in the NFC right now. Than your Chargers. Okay, by one game. They also beat <laughs> them. Yes. I was just want to point that out. By one point, but yes, <laughs> true. Fact, that's technically true. Uh, but do you think they're going to beat the Saints? You know what? I have this is one of those decisions like I did last week with the Broncos. Statistically, I have to put the Saints down due to record and winning. But my heart will belong to the Broncos in this one. Um, what makes me the most nervous is how scary the Saints defense is. I, I, yeah, you know, I should have talked about that when we were uh, talking about their dismantling of Atlanta. I think they had seven sacks in that game and two interceptions and like, or something. You know, to kind of, I guess you could say this lends credence to your whole um, Taysom Hill argument is the quarterbacks don't have to do a lot when you have that good of a defense. The only thing that your offense has to do is just keep drives going so your defense can really rest. Right. Um, so you don't and, have to, and, and I think and, this attack works for the Saints. And we know how prone uh, Drew Locke has been to turnovers, especially early in games. Uh, so you could definitely see the Saints getting up for getting up big early here if, if that happens. Um, so I have to statistically pick New Orleans for the sake of where, you know, it's a battle between you and I. But no, I am going to be rooting for the Broncos, albeit a desperate hey. Either either way, you win because if the Saints win and Taysom Hill is a good game, then you get to talk for that reason. If the Broncos do pull off the upset, then you get to talk for that reason. So win-win. <laughs> yeah, I really can't lose. Is that what you're saying? That's only what I'm saying. You, unless only, the, you, only you can lose? Unless they tie and Hill throws three interceptions. <laughs> no, right. then I could say the Broncos tied with the Saints. Okay. All right. I mean, it really is 
win-win for you then. <laughs> All right. Final game of Sunday afternoon. The Chiefs at 9-1 and one at the Buccaneers at 7-4. and four. And this, I mean, Brady against Mahomes, that's kind of exciting. But I am losing faith in this Buccaneers team. They're too inconsistent. Uh, this Chiefs defense is not impressive. So Brady could have a bounce back game here, but I don't, uh, I don't see them taking the the win though. I'm taking the Chiefs. I got Patrick Mahomes, and then Sunday finally, night, Sunday night, Sunday night. Yeah, how come it's like happening now? Finally, <laughs> finally the Bears play the Packers. Week twelve, they're playing for the first time on Sunday Night Football. Uh, so the Bears are five and five. They've lost four in a row, but they're coming off a bye week. They've had time to reevaluate everything. <laughs> Packers, uh, seven and three, obviously coming off that disappointing loss to the Colts. And the Bears, like always, have a bit of a conundrum at quarterback. Uh, Trubisky with that shoulder injury and and falls with the was it ribs for him too? I, he got hurt right at the end of their game before the bye week. I don't know. I want they're ribs. both. Neither of them is a hundred percent still, and and. On top of that, Matt Nagy no, is still no, saying this. No, is a hip. Hip, okay. And so, yeah, they're both still still banged up, and, and Nagy is saying that he's open to a quarterback change. Bring so, back. we don't... Bring back Mitch. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. If he's healthy, I would prefer to see Mitch out there if I was a Bears fan or a Packers fan, actually. <laughs> Either way. I don't think it matters, though. I mean, I'm taking the Packers, although it's always fun when these two teams get together. We've been division rivals, the longest rival in sports history right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this will, be, this will be really fun. Uh, Bears I defense. Regardless, even if the Bears were on a 10-0 roll, I think we'd be like Green Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Rodgers Rogers has had the, the Bears number. I, I wish I had his record against them in front of me but uh it's it's good i'll say that and then finally closing monday. out the week on monday night we got the seahawks at seven and three traveling to philly take on the three six and one eagles i'm not even discussing stats this is seattle all the way yep agreed if their uh defense is getting on track even a little bit i mean carson wentz uh has crumbled under pressure this season too. So if, if they're able to get, you know, a strong pass rush on him, which is well, very likely given Carlos Dunlap could he walk in this game with another two or three <laughs> sacks. Given the state of the Eagles offensive line, um, yeah, that seems very likely. Yeah, there's no analysis needed here, taking the Seahawks. All right, five minutes and we gotta wrap this up in the fantasy corner. Okay. You know what I'm not thankful for is my fan duel lineup. <laughs> what the hell has happened, dude? I don't know. I don't know. I've lost like I four in a I row. I really admitted what I was doing at the beginning, and it's. Uh, I don't want to say I'm better than the computer. The <laughs> that's kind of what. It's kind of what you're saying, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was all ready to do a big confession here because I had Damian Harris in my lineup and swapped him out because I saw Sony Michelle was healthy, so I didn't know if. Turned out Michelle didn't even play, and Harris had a good game. Whatever, swapped him in for Kalen Balage. They both just were mediocre, so it didn't matter. And I lost by 22 points again. So depressing. Uh, so you're up 7-4 to four on the season. I wasn't able to access the, the site because it was being dumb to get your highlights, but 
my only good players were Murray with 20, which isn't even that good for a quarterback, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, Justin Jefferson came through with 16 points. I had Justin Herbert with 27.8 points, and then I had Adam Thielen, who had 28.3. <laughs> um, Chase Claypool with 13.9. Hunter Henry with 12.9. Um, my worst scoring player was actually the Vikings defense. You should do your own podcast where you just talk about your – your uh, fan duel picks because clearly my analysis is not helping anybody. Okay. I don't I, know. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't divulge my strategy, but I will anyway. So my approach to fan duel is I pick my quarterback and my defense, like my quarterback first, my defense second, um, all based primarily on matchups. And then what I try to do is I pick a running back and wide receiver. So essentially RB one WR one, because those are going to cost you the most money. I know I have a solid now four-core starting lineup. Tight ends are probably the hardest ones to pick because they're so inconsistent. Um, And I don't feel like spending the money on a Kelsey uh, right Uh now. Um, And then what I try to do is I work, you know, I kind of work backwards. It's like, okay, after that, I'll try to find like a decent tight end that's cheap. And then I go back and fill with cheaper players. And the last position I'll fill is my flex, which I try to make a goal of at least leaving around 62 to $6,500 to play with. Um, And the flexes are usually my biggest gambles. Um, All right. That that makes sense. So. You go first this week. Who, who Who is your most expensive player? My Well, you're actually going to laugh at me for some of this. That's fine, though. Uh, my most expensive... Uh, actually, yeah, he's my quarterback. Really? Yes. All right. Nice. Uh, I, I appreciate you putting your money where your mouth is. Um, Josh Jacobs is actually my RB1 at eight grand. Yep, I have a lot invested in him, but I really believe in that run game. Um, yeah. Against and I, he's a good pass catcher too. Um, but yeah, actually, most of my roster is averaging around seven thousand dollars, and I still have a hundred dollars left, <laughs> which always makes me nervous when I have money left over. Who's your highest pick? Highest priced? My yeah, uh, I paid up for Nick Chubb again, eighty four hundred dollars against Jacksonville. Uh, it's a great matchup, and, and Chubb is uh, really good. And then the other guy I have over 8,000 is Keenan Allen. Uh, you know, hopefully I'm not just chasing points here, but he's been very heavily involved with Justin Herbert. It's not so much a matchup thing. Buffalo's kind of middle of the pack in terms of defending the receivers, but Keenan Allen is just the by far the most consistent target there. My uh, next he was 8,200. My next most expensive is Will Fuller at 74. Okay, against wow. uh, Detroit. Yeah, I spent a lot of money. I spent $4,500 on the Rams defense against San Francisco, though. Oh, you jerk. Me too. (laughs) Um, And then going down the roster, quarterback is Taysom Hill, uh, RB1, Josh Jacobs, RB2, Todd Gurley. Uh, I've got Gurley in my flex. Um, Will Fuller, WR1, WR2, I have Devontae Parker. I've got Parker. (laughs) Um, WR3, Cooper Cup. Oh, yeah. He had a monster game on on whatever day that was. Monday. Um, Tight end, I have uh, Tanyan for Green Bay. Okay. And then I have Robert Woods as my flex. I have a lot of the uh, Rams players. All in on the Rams, yeah. (laughs) All right. I've got Derek Carr at quarterback. 
I love the matchup against Atlanta. Uh, Nick Chubb, like I said, Giovanni Bernard, I'm assuming with whoever is at quarterback for the Bengals. I already forgot, but he's terrible. They're going to lean on the run game a lot and still no Mixon. Uh, he, and he was only 6,100 despite that, and it's a good matchup against the Giants. Uh, Keenan Allen, Robbie Anderson uh, against Minnesota, which is still a good matchup for receivers. Devontae Parker against the Jets. Uh, I've got Hunter Henry at tight end. For some reason, I'm all in on the Chargers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you probably rethink that. You fool. And then I've got Gurley in the flex, a Rams defense. We've got a lot of duplicates this week. I know that's weird. It's been the first time I think that's happened. Yeah. Well. This gives you an opportunity, cool. though, Mike. Yeah, so it really just comes down to, like, Nick Chubb, cool. basically. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Chubb versus Taysom Hill. I don't feel as confident all of a sudden. Uh, I don't know, man. It, the way things have been going, I, I will never feel confident in a FanDuel roster again. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so, yeah, we don't really have to get too deep into season long, except to say that uh, I won. I'm five and six now. Still alive in the playoff hunt, although I looked at all the the standings today and I would not make it if the season ended today. And I have a very important matchup against uh, against Brittany because we're both five and six and she has like three or four more points scored than me on the season. So very close. But if I lose this week, it's going to be tough. Uh, meanwhile, you're still at six and five despite the loss. So you're still right there. You have a very tough matchup though against Sorio. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His, his team's been just crushing it. So, uh, yeah, so we have, it's a 12-team league. Six get into the playoffs. I think three teams are eliminated. So we've still got nine out of 12 have a chance to get in. So very much looking forward to it. Am I home stretch those? here. You are for now. <laughs> yeah, after this, we'll see what happens. Um, I just want to point out that I could still lose and still have a shot, which is crazy to think because I thought my roster was done for two weeks ago, four weeks ago. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're the, that crazy start you got off to is still keeping you in it, you know. And Cup maybe is coming around. Uh, Le'Veon Bell has not done much for the Chiefs, so he hasn't really Thank impacted God. Ceh at all. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so best of luck to you there. How fun would that be if we both make the playoffs? That's what I'm rooting for. The first time since we've at, joined- at least one of us. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like every year one of the two M's has to be in the playoff or we just forfeit the channel. I mean, that's just, yeah. <laughs> Although I will say that I'm impressed by uh, how competitive this league is, even though we don't play for money, you know, we just have a trophy that we pass around every year. Everyone's making roster claims every week. There's bids. I, I haven't gotten most of the big free agents that I've tried to bid on this year because I haven't paid enough money. Uh, I love it. It's very active league, which is awesome. Because we have no life. Yep, that is accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? It's 1 o'clock in the morning. Mike, I think it's time to call it an episode. Yay, time to go edit. And I'm going to go to bed. Thanks for dropping that F-bomb in there that I'm going to have to find. (laughs) I I love making you work, and I I cannot wait for the bleep because that's what I get excited for. It's funny. I I like it, too. But, uh, yeah. 
Thank you, Matt, for joining me again for another episode. This was a fun one. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. I hope hope you and your family enjoy the holiday. Thank you, Mike. Whether, I guys, whether it's over Zoom or not, or wherever. <laughs> thank you um, for having us. Thank you for, once again, all the work you put in this, all the work you do to keep the show running. I'm very thankful to have you as a co-host on the show. Um, the show would not be what it is without you. Oh, that's so nice. Um, I, uh, it's the only sincerity you're ever going to get out of me. You know, I don't even know what to do with it. Uh, but yeah, I am. I am very grateful for this uh, this little chunk of time we get to spend together, and with you to M Nation uh, once a week here. It's uh, it's really fun. Everyone, be safe, eat lots, and I'll see everybody on the gridiron. See you guys next time. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode of the 2M Football Show with Mike and Matt. Please subscribe to be aware of our future podcasts. Follow us at social media at 2M Football Show. If you feel like donating to help out the show, follow us and check out our Patreon. We'll see you in the next episode.